I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has, for over 15 years, delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Not only have I come to better understand the tools we can use to become healthier human beings, but I love gaining new insights and perspectives from others in the field and sharing the health with all of you. Today's guest is Allie Mason Hofberg. Allie is the founder of The Health Mason, a wellness and lifestyle blog and Instagram account. She launched her platform with the initial intention of sharing about nutrition and her favorite healthy recipes. Over the years, however, her message has evolved to encompass all areas of what wellness means to her, both mental and physical health, as well as lifestyle tips and clean beauty products. Given that managing her anxiety was such an important part of her personal life, she felt called to share her journey. Her message naturally shifted to include this crucial topic. With health being holistic, it is relevant to her mission of empowering others to live healthier lives. In our conversation, we discuss what wellness means to her and how she thinks of it as more of a mindset and lifestyle, how there is a mental and emotional component to food for most people that highly influences our relationship with it, how speaking her truth and coming across as authentic is not only crucial for her message to her audience, but has become healing for her anxiety in general. The one daily wellness habit that has helped her both mentally and physically, the relationship between general anxiety and having an anxious food relationship and or poor body image, how the former can sometimes manifest through the latter, how surrender in uncertain times is something you can do to mitigate the worry and anxiety, how to cut out the noisy nutritional chatter and get to the root of what works for you, the role that meditation and other forms of self-care play in her mental health and life how discovering clean beauty products has impacted her wellness and what she shares about with her audience. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Allie. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to be able to chat with you today. Thank you so much for taking some time to hop on here. Um, I know. And as I started to kind of do these interviews for Healthified Mag. I mean, you were definitely at the top of my list of people I wanted to chat with. Um, We go way back. Yeah. It's kind of funny how we've really only been with each other in person one time, but you know, thanks to the beauty of social media, I feel like we've been friends forever. Um, And you know, we, we bonded over that revitalized weekend. That's for sure. We certainly did. I know I have a a couple of friends who either my mom or Yale will be like, mm, is this? I'm like, it's an Instagram slash real life friend. It's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> so you within that category, although you are one of the few who I've actually met in person. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Alex will say the same thing like, oh, the health mason. Like, well, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how that works. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, I just want to kind of start out and um, for anyone listening or watching just to kind of hear your story, especially in the wellness realm and how you kind of got to where you are now and what you're doing. Yeah, it's kind of a long story, which I think is the case for a lot of people, but um, sort of shortening as much as I can, I have always dealt with um, anxiety and it has been something that has just been prevalent in my life forever. I do not remember a time in which I didn't have anxiety. I was a really anxious child. My mom would like have to walk me to school when I would go in for lower school, elementary school. Um, So it's always been something I've dealt with. But then later in life, towards the end of high school, I developed an eating disorder, which really sort of not enabled me to change the way I eat and change the way I view food. I started to see, through my recovery, started to see a dietitian who allowed me to see food as medicine, which was really life-saving and life-changing for me in many ways. But because of that, I wanted to have an outlet to create recipes and just sort of share, not necessarily my recovery, but what I realized I loved, which was eating healthy and living a healthy lifestyle. So my Instagram, The Health Mason, started from that and was pretty much exclusively just a health and wellness, like healthy recipe page. I didn't really show myself very much, but then as I started to sort of reframe my mindset, I saw wellness as more of an all-encompassing 
thing rather than just eating healthy. It's living a healthy lifestyle, exercising, having a healthy mindset. So wellness to me is sort of an umbrella term for a lot of other elements within my life. So that's where the health mason, that's kind of how that all began. Yeah. And there's so many things I want to unpack there, but one of the main topics that um, I knew we were going to talk about is definitely the anxiety and the mental health piece. But what goes along with that is kind of the evolution of your message. And, um, you know, given that I've started following you and the health Mason for years, and it was primarily like food focused. Um, and then, um, as I'm sure all your audience noticed a shift in that towards, um, especially kind of the lifestyle and mental health and anxiety, um, Peace. So I think that's great because to me, what that showed was like you really stepping into um, not saying that the food sharing wasn't authentic to you, but it was almost like you really stepping into your truth of your message and what you wanted to share, um, which I think is so great. And so how has, just as it kind of started out as this outlet um, for the food side of things, how has it kind of um, helped be that outlet for the mental health side of things or has I, it? I think for me, my mental health, I had a lot of anxiety in the beginning, early stages of my recovery from anorexia. Mm -hmm. I really suffered with triggering foods or, um, you know, just difficult foods that I found harder to eat, which sounds kind of silly, but anyone who's dealt with an eating disorder knows that there are some foods that just seem to have control over you for whatever reason. Right. So through that, I really started to see that, A, there is such a mental component with food with so, for so many people, maybe not for everyone, but I know that for so many people, there is an emotional and mental component with eating and food in general. But also my anxiety has just been something that, you know, I will lose sleep. I have, I have poor, insomnia, poor sleep because of insomnia, because of my anxiety. And I just think that like wanting to be as authentic as I possibly can to my audience has been such a key focus of mine throughout my Instagram journey yeah. um, that sharing pretty much everything I possibly can, even if to, you know, like today I shared that I've been struggling a bit with my mental health lately, just with summer coming to an end and yeah. my parents are selling my childhood home of 27 years. So for me, yeah. authenticity is so crucial. There's no point in me coming on my stories and putting on a happy face if I'm not feeling that way. You know, I, I don't want to be fake in any way. Yeah. So I yeah. have that your question. I'm not sure if it yeah. did. No, for sure. And I mean, do you feel as if um, through kind of sharing more on the mental health side of things, you are attracting people who resonate with that message more so like, where do you see a difference in the type of people that's in your audience and have some of the people from early on been very receptive to the shift or what that's, what's that looked like? I think some people were not disappointed because I, I would like to think that people want to see me through whatever transitional journey that I'm going through. But I do think some people were like, listen, I signed up for recipes, but I don't see myself necessarily solely anymore as a recipe developer. If I really am looking for recipes, I don't always turn back to my own to share or, right. you know, I like to rely on other people for that just because I think that they're, they're really talented in those areas. But, um, I, I think that just finding a way to be as true to what's going on in my life as possible has really resonated with a larger element of my audience. And a lot of people do suffer from mental health disorders or just areas that are weak um, in terms of their mental health. So I think a lot of people have really, I would like to say, think that they've appreciated my transparency in days that I'm feeling sort of low or anxious or just off um, and trying to offer, I'm not a medical professional, I always have to disclaim that, but trying right. to offer solutions that have really helped me over the years. For example, I'm a huge advocate for getting outside and I call it my daily walk. It is something that is essential to, essential to me and if I don't do it, I do notice a shift in how I'm yeah. feeling. And so I always share when I'm taking my daily walk, or I share a lot of the time because it might be a reminder to one person who's having a crappy day who can get outside and just take a 15 minute walk since so it's all it takes, which can yes. turn the whole day around. So I like to offer tangible and approachable solutions to anxiety 
and mental health that mm -hmm. I feel comfortable disclosing, given yeah. the fact that I'm not a medical professional. Right. I love that. And I was actually thinking about this yesterday because, um, you know, whether it was the end of the holiday weekend or just what have you, I was kind of, I found myself in a little bit of a funk and mm -hmm. I didn't get to go on my morning walk. I noticed that every single time I start my day, um, and normally it's like kind of around sunrise with early like a 40, yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's getting harder these days. It's getting yeah. harder these days. Um, with a 45 to 60 minute walk, especially before breakfast to get moving right off the bat, it like changes my mood for the rest of the day. I didn't get to do that yesterday. So I noticed when I finally ended up going around like 2 PM, it shifted my mood immediately. Um, and I kind of want to speak to that because I think, and again, to each their own, like if running or hit or like these hardcore workouts is something that helps you manage your stress and anxiety, by all means, keep doing that. But I think that there's almost this like, I don't want to say stigma, but this like negative uh, reputation around walking that's like, right. oh, that's not enough or... Yeah. Um, but I really think, especially if you're struggling with stress or anxiety to do a form of movement that is not going to send your body into the complete sympathetic nervous system for an hour on end is actually better for people. Cause like you, I suffer from anxiety, um, more so now that I own my own business, but that's another story for another day. Um, but, but, um, it's and it. I had to wrap my head around the fact of like, you know, this might not be like going to like a hit class for an hour, but like, this is where, what makes me feel best in my body, mind, body, spirit. Right. And so I think it's really important. Um, and as you do is like, yeah, you know, this was, is what works for me. You add that disclaimer and for people to kind of like either pick up on those tips that you suggest and find what works for them. But you know, with exercise in particular, like it's something that's just can be so important for mental health. And, um, yeah. is there any other type of movement that you encourage? Um, I do enjoy when I get into the right routine, it's been difficult for me to sort of maintain a yoga or Pilates practice. I love my friend Kate Hurley has, mm -hmm. um, she calls it her move and meditate method, which I love and so appreciate. And I also am a big believer in the Melissa Wood health, um, method. So both yes. of those have sort of a yoga, stretching, mindful movement approach that have really worked for me, but also just mm -hmm. stretching or just if I can lift weights in my basement. For me, for whatever reasons, a lot of my anxiety comes with, I had to stop doing um, classes in person because I get a sense of I'm feeling a little trapped or like if I'm anxious, is there a way that I can leave without feeling like I'm going to make a fool out of myself? I did pure bar for a long time and I started just, my anxiety sort of ramped up um, when I was doing it. And I was like, this is just not sustainable for me necessarily. Right. It might be causing more harm than good if I'm feeling yeah. super anxious and wound up every time. But, you know, we just got those little puzzle piece floor mats that you can get on Amazon for nothing and a yeah. few, uh, free weights, medicine ball and have that in the basement. So I use that as just a little home gym, although it's not yeah. very exciting yeah. or um, full, just to be able to move my body in some capacity, even if it's raining. I know if I can't get outside and take my walk, just stretching for 10 minutes or lifting weights, although they're like five pounds for me. Yeah, but you don't need much, you know, you don't need anything fancy. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to this concept of um, food relationships, mm -hmm. and especially um, how that is connected to anxiety because again, like you, I've also suffered from disordered eating. Um, and I actually ended up asking my, um, my older brother, who's a lot older than me, but I asked him, asked him one time as I was like kind of beginning slash like peaking to really struggle with anxiety being like, was I an anxious child? And he was like, I can't really remember you being an English anxious child, but it was like, as soon as I discovered what anxiety was, it was like, I had probably just had this my whole life. And I just didn't know what it was until college. Like I remember calling my older sister being like, I think I need to stop drinking coffee. And she was like, I don't think that's it. Like, I think you're just 
anxious and you're trying to figure out your life. And I was like, okay, yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was around that exact same time where my disordered eating started. Mm. Um, and I remember in high school, like my friend's parents would always say like, you have the best relationship with food. Like I would literally dance while I ate. Like I would just like sit there and like, I just loved it. And then something happened in college where I was like the height of my, um, my anxiety. And it just became this, it like manifested through food basically. And it was like this thing that was surface level that I felt like I could control. Cause when you're anxious, sometimes you can't really pinpoint what it is. So you want to attach the thing that you feel like you can gain control over. Do you feel as if um, that is kind of a, like, talk to me about that with your eating disorder and your relationship with food. Like, was there a connection there for you personally? Oh my gosh, completely. Um, control, I think is the stem. And I like mm. not a medical professional, cannot yes. make any claims, but yes, for me and for other friends of mine who have had eating disorders, trying to gain control via the food you're putting in your mouth or not, um, is for me at least was the biggest stem of my eating disorder. So, you know, it happened my senior year of high school and all of my friends were trying to figure out what they were doing for college. I, I had figured it out. It took me a little bit longer, but then I was like, Oh, the future with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, <laughs> was sort of <laughs> so it worked out <laughs> yeah it did work out was sort of up in the air I was like are we, are we breaking up what's the plan so having those unknowns was just so overwhelming for me that mm -hmm. I kept coming back to sort of soothing my anxiety in a way with eating very healthy foods but also just quickly or slowly cutting things out you know getting rid of certain foods that felt dangerous or felt like they could be bad for me and I know that that can be like, that is a version of an eating disorder orthorexia. I didn't really have that, but it was just definitely the control element of it was mm -hmm. really where it all kind of went. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the unknown, I think that that's a big buzzword when it comes to it. And, and it's like I say with 2020 specifically, it's like, I remember when the new year was hitting and I had this like laundry list of things that I wanted to achieve in 2020, you know, like all the like buzz that was going around Instagram, like, Oh, this is the year of the vision and like getting clearer. And yes. And yeah. then it was like, everyone just like took their list and was like, yeah. like, it was just like, if anything that this year is like, what um, is teaching us is that we, we can never know. Right. Yeah. And so it, but that doesn't make it any less scary. But I think it can kind of help people um, surrender a little yeah. bit mm -hmm. um, and to just be like, I, I actually don't know anything past like this moment right here. I mean, anything can happen. But um, I feel as if when like we resist the not knowing um, that that's where that like need to control kind of rears its head. Mm -hmm. I have also um, been so fearful for the people who are either quietly dealing with eating disorders or who maybe haven't. And this has sort of sparked some, mm. something within them. Um, my heart mm -hmm. really goes out to those people because I think if you also don't have access to a medical professional, given how locked down we all were, it can be really a really trying and scary time. So my heart definitely goes out to people who are feeling like this is a newer thing for them, or if it wasn't new, it's brought out old habits and feelings. So it's definitely yeah. That's not been an ideal year for anyone, but I do hope that it offers a lesson in some shape or form. <laughs> right, right. Um, and do you feel as if um, you had some kind of like old mental habits kind of come back during yeah, this time? In a way, um, so I'm a little bit immune compromised. So my husband was the one right. going to the grocery store every time and he would having never had a history of eating disorder, anything of the right. form, um, would come home with potato chips and tortilla chips and pretzels, just be like, oh, well, we have to stock up on these things. But yeah. I love salty snacks. So have no, not necessarily no off switch, but I'm like, you know, you're bringing these things home. I'm going yeah. to eat them. So yeah. I had a hard time with that because I was just normally, I'm the one in control, back to control, in control of right. the groceries we get because I go to my like six grocery stores that I have, feel like 
are local enough and have good options for us. Um, so I, I do think that some elements of my eating disorder mm -hmm. reared their head a little bit, but nothing to the point where I am concerned, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, for sure. Like I've kind of gone on the opposite spectrum of where I was in the yeah. throat of my eating disorder, um, just sort of relinquishing any fear of me like, what, what, who knows what the hell this year has to offer. So let's yeah. enjoy it. Um, so I've actually had to sort of reel it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds as if like, you know, especially before this and when you were doing the grocery shopping versus Yale, it's like you're, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it sounds like you're probably more of the health conscious one. Like you're very in to know about like what healthy food and like, yeah. um, He's so a long way. Like I, I applaud him for yeah. him, like seeking out more organic foods and things along those lines. But it's, it's was definitely a little challenging. I didn't go to the grocery store from March till maybe mid June. So. Oh, wow. It was a long yeah. Time <laughs> yeah. And I mean, full disclosure on my end too. I mean, absolutely. I was just talking to someone. I had um, one of these interviews with my um, friend and former mentor, actually, Elisa Haggerty. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know her. She's friends with um, Laura Lee too, but um, I was telling her that like, especially during COVID, like, and I, um, I could sense myself because of that lack of control, especially on the business side of things. And, um, I could sense myself attaching to like, Oh, well, I'm going to use this as a time to like get my fittest and eat really clean. And like, even though like all of those things were healthy, I, I, there was a day where I'm like, this is reaching a boundary. Like I need to just like, you know, and so I, and so having, you know, gone through this journey before I knew exactly what I needed to do in order to kind of like release what it was that I needed to let go of. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people out there are still, you know, struggling and, and without, you know, that consciousness of like, what are their mental patterns or, um, you know, things like that, that it can be a little bit more tough. For yeah. sure. I, I find too, though, I mean, pandemic or not, I, given my history of eating disorder, will fall into these patterns of, okay, I really should be limiting carbs because I do find for me personally that carbs contribute to a lot of gastrointestinal issues, which yeah. I deal with for years. Um, so I, I start to be like, okay, well, I should really avoid this. And then I, once I recognize that I'm setting these food rules or standards for myself is when I have to cut it off. Like I am just, mm -hmm. that is not healthy mindset for me right. um, at a point in which people were villainizing bananas. And so yeah. like that for someone who has a mindset like me and maybe someone who doesn't can be very dangerous and make you want to avoid bananas or other starchier foods that are healthy at the end of the day. So yes, I have learned that if I'm ever sensing getting that feeling of, oh gosh, I should really be avoiding bananas or I should really be avoiding like Oreos. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Kind of shut it down and like add bananas to my smoothie or whatever it needs to be. That makes me be like, I, this is perfectly healthy. I am fine. I'm safe. Yes. I'm nothing is changing within me. If right. I'm growing from this whole experience. So, yeah. And I think that's really important to highlight here. And it's the whole fact of like, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with like, um, playing around with different things or yeah. like seeing what foods work for you or even like, you know, the, the type of, um, I hate to use the word diet, but just like, you know, whether someone wants to explore paleo or plant-based or whatever, I think what's really important to keep in mind is a, if you have a background of disordered eating and, um, and like the B the mindset around the why you want to do something and like what kind of place that's stemming from like is it stemming from a place of fear or like um like you said like villainizing all these foods or is it or like a need to control or is it coming from more of a place of self-care like oh like I'm struggling with a lot of um you know stomach issues. Maybe if I try whole 30, or maybe if I try to cut, um, these really, uh, bloat producing foods out of my diet, like, let's see what happens. Like there's almost like a different, there's like a curiosity versus a fear, if you will. Yes. I, I totally get that. Um, to be totally honest, I would at some point now, I can't remember, I think maybe in June or July, I did a fasting mimicking diet. Um, mm -hmm. it's kind of 
become popular recently and I had seen it all over Instagram. I was like, it's supposed to have a whole host of health benefits. Like, let's mm. give it a try. I don't know if I've seen that one. I should have known, like a fasting diet any, I, I think some intermittent fasting is great for some people, but the fasting that this diet um, protocol really called for was just something that was too triggering for me. And I yeah. early, it was meant to be five days. I went for three. I was like, I hated the feeling of getting up and feeling lightheaded. That's how it felt when I was anorexic. You know, I didn't want to not be able to take my walks because it just had no energy because of this diet. Right. Um, and so I, I had come on my stories and it's like, listen, I was doing this. I hadn't shared about it because I didn't want to share about it unless it was successful mm -hmm. in and of itself. But um, it, I realized it was not, not the right fit for me, too triggering. Um, and I do actually, I have a lot of health issues now. So I have to follow certain dietary protocols. I'm starting yeah. really today. Um, yeah. But I work with people who recognize a, my history and B, what's within reason for someone who has my history. So yes, it's, it's sort of been a, a dance to figure out what the best things have been for me. And I think that if anyone is struggling, like work with a medical professional, do not necessarily just rely on things you see on the internet. It's, yes. it's easy and to go down, down for sure. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are, you know, that's why people are so confused is yeah. because, um, and I think like the more that you can educate yourself, especially with the support team is super important and just doing what, you know, doing what works for you and your body can be your best compass in that way. And that it can tell you and, um, right. So there's the like matter of fact, like science that comes out or the opinion of, um, this health professional or this doctor or what have you. But if you try something and it's not working, then, you know, like, for example, I read, um, Max Lugaveri's book on brain health, which super inspiring. And you get to a point as you do in your mid thirties, where it's like, it's not even being, uh, it's not even about like, you know, having the body anymore. It's literally like, I don't want Alzheimer's. So like you start to like view nutrition as this like very like your mind medicinal. Yes. Um, it's like, I don't, I care more about my brain health at this time, but, um, but it was really inspiring. So I like kind of picked up on some of the, um, tips in his book and like one of them, and especially through his interviews was like, I don't eat breakfast, um, you know, and there's like the argument that breakfast is this like societal um, constructed thing by the cereal companies. Anyway, not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I was like, <laughs> so I like kind of tried the time restricted feeding for a bit and I would break that, um, you know, around 11 or 12, but I would have like a really nutrient dense salad with like blueberries and walnuts and uh, smoked salmon and all these amazing foods. And it was delicious and I felt amazing, but I found myself in the morning and this is where the emotional piece comes in. Um, I found myself in the morning being like, I'm sad because breakfast is my favorite meal. Yep. I even created a company around it. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I just don't want to live life like, you know, like, yes, this expert is super motivating in telling you like, this is what you should be doing. But like, I don't want to wake up every day and not, I just look forward to breakfast. So I totally get I that. like, that's just not sustainable for me, but for Max Lucaveri, it is. And right. I think that's great. And he can, um, you know. I think there are so many different points of view in terms of health and what's healthy. I mean, healthy mm -hmm. quotes for sure, because you know, that someone who wants to wake up and drink celery juice every morning. And then there's someone else who's going to say that that's not healthy or unnecessary. Right. So it's, I think really about listening to your body. I have become such an advocate of just listening to your body as best you can um, and doing really what works for you, which can be definitely easier said than done. But it is something It's like when you see someone doing celery juice for breakfast, it may really work for them. But if you try it and it's not working for you, recognize that and don't beat yourself up over it. That's what I've had to sort of teach myself, you know, with not necessarily celery juice, but just in general. Right. Yes. Agreed. So you mentioned, um, we talked about movement and then you mentioned Kate Hurley's like move and meditate thing. What are some other forms of self-care that you turn to? Do you meditate? I used to be really good with meditating, like mm -hmm. from middle school, I would listen to, um, yoga nidra CDs, like over Ooh. my blue box in my bedroom. 
that's awesome. I don't even think I, I knew what yoga nidra was until I went through my training. Yeah. <laughs> impressive. And had had an interest in um, wellness in some shape or form. I mean, since middle school. So that was something that really saved me in school with my anxiety was meditation um, and professional help. But I've really been bad about meditating lately. And it's not that I'm not, I don't see the science or the benefit to it. It's just, honestly, I think a lot of people, I fall into the category of not either having the time or desire to really sit down with myself and my thoughts and do it uh, every single day. There are some days that I try and have some sort of meditative practice, but for me, what's really become my meditation is taking my daily walks. And I do usually listen to a podcast. Sometimes I listen to nothing, which is really, really helpful. But when I'm taking my walk, I'm not like just looking at straight ahead of me. I look at the trees around me. I stop and take mushrooms on my walks, you know, so it's a very (laughs) slow (laughs) process rather than being this like intense. Sometimes it's sort of intense. I'm not really an intense exercise person. Um, so that's really where my meditation comes into play, which is why I do it every single day, which I love that Kate's method because she believes that should you be when you're moving your body and then meditating, although her form of meditation is certainly more traditional, Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to accomplish. So I sort of marry the two and into my walk. Yeah, no, and it's um, it's very true, and it's actually why yoga was even created, yeah. um, because they, you know, discovered thousands of years ago, um, or whenever it was, that they were trying to teach these boys to meditate, and they couldn't sit still, and so they found that when they put them through these postures, um, which, you know, kind of later evolved to be like the flow yoga that you know, we kind of know about it, um, today that they were able to meditate, um, more easily. So there's something to be said because, you know, the body is so energetic that like, and I'm the same way. Like I try and have, um, I do at least like five minutes every day, but I always, before I always did it before I moved. And then after hearing kind of, um, that theory that to do it after you move, um, it's been a game changer for me. Um, so anyway, so besides walking any other, like, I know that you have some other like self care things that that help you kind of, um, manage your anxiety and things like that. Yeah. Um, I will say something I don't currently do now, but journaling, I think is another meditation for some people just having Mm -hmm. paper. So helpful. I kept a journal for years and years and years. Um, I just don't, Currently, but uh, yeah, in terms of things that I do self-care wise now, I take a bath almost every day. Let's call it five days a week. Even in the summer, I know it's ridiculous. My husband's like, "You're, you're, I see you sweating in there." Feels good. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I love taking my baths because I really can't access my phone. Yes, I can, but there's such the anxiety, anxious person in me is drop it into the bath. So it's not something that I'm looking at. I'm not looking at my phone. I, I put on my, I have the Calm app, which I love. Um, or I'll read a book or do all of the above, put some essential oils in there. I love Dr. Singa's um, mustard bath, all sorts of things. I just really doctor up the bath to be as well yeah. as possible. I love that. Um, so I do that, but Making if you want a bathtub, yeah. <laughs> so, but if I get one of those first, <laughs> Well, I do, but um, it's like a shower bath. Yes, I don't use it. (laughs) I'm very cool to have like a freestanding bathtub, but I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But if that's something that isn't attainable, I love doing a skincare routine. So I do like a plethora of masks and kind of get a little bit extra with it. But I really enjoy that. If your husband or significant other, whomever, roommate, um, is willing to join you on that. Yale joins me sometimes. Like, you do a little mask. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. It's, so, it's just fun to have someone else to do those yeah. things with you, um, you know, if you want to have company. But those are my two big things, I would say. Taking my baths and my skincare routine. I do have like a red light therapy device that I sit in yeah. front of and get all sorts of crazy extra. I'm sure my neighbors are like, what's going on in that house? Yeah. Um, but I think it's about what works best for you. And I have found that moving and my baths and my skincare routines, whatever they look like, um, are best for me. I know. I love, I always refer to you for like skincare advice because it's not something that 
Um, even though I've always like struggled with my skin, it's not something that I like put a lot of care and thought into, even though I did do a benzonite clay mask with apple cider vinegar yesterday for the first time in a while. And it was awesome. Um, what? It's underrated. Yes. It's so great. And you just feel so good. Um, but you are quite the guru when it comes to like beauty products and clean beauty. And I love, um, I kind of love that you weave that into it because I think that that's something that's so underrated that people don't give enough credit to. Yeah. I mean, it also like kind of goes back to where my Instagram shifted from being just recipe focused to more holistic lifestyle is I am not a hundred percent clean beauty by any means because mm-hmm. I have found like I do suffer from acne at times and I have found sometimes that like the more conventional or chemical based products really do help. And so I just kind of have to accept the fact that if I have a giant zit, yeah, I put something a little stronger on there than yeah. <laughs> woo woo products can handle. But I have loved sort of trying to educate myself and then hopefully educate others on clean beauty and where to start and products that I like being transparent in products that I haven't loved or what right. hasn't worked for me. Um, so it still just kind of goes back to what's working, what is best for you. I think with clean beauty and clean skincare in general, it can be really overwhelming because yes. you learn so much about conventional skincare and beauty and why it might not be the best fit for someone or anyone. Um, and you're tempted to throw away your whole makeup bag, but I have tried to be as reasonable as I possibly can and find certain brands that I love and, making swaps when I can. So if my blush runs mm-hmm. out, finding a suitable alternative that is clean and effective and beautiful that works. So, yeah. So on that note, what are some of your favorite, um, products or brands? I really started my clean beauty journey with beauty counter. I think, although mm-hmm. I know that beauty counter businesses like it can receive some plaque given its um, history and sort of how it works. Right. They have really great products. And I think that the education behind their products are so it's, it's well thought out the company, they are doing their research. They're getting yes. to Capitol Hill to make legislative change. And so I really appreciate that. So maybe four years ago is when I started shifting my products from conventional to clean. Mm-hmm. I started with beauty counter in terms of just basic makeup. Um, I also switched my deodorant, which took some time because that's a yes. trial process. One deodorant that works for someone is not necessarily going to work for everyone. And there is a detoxification process. Yes. So um, I've heard. I have not officially made that switch, but yeah, I, that's always like whenever I recommend where to start, I always recommend with deodorant first, just given the chemicals that are in deodorant and what their proximity right. they're close to. So right. from your body is quickly as possible, I think is a good place to start, but also with skincare products, so body lotions, things that you're applying to your skin. Your skin is obviously your largest organ. So if that can be clean, I think those are two really good places to start. But in terms Mm -hmm. of makeup, I love Beauty Counter. I love Ilia, Well People. Um, For skincare, I love Indie Lee, also Beauty Counter. I mean, there's just, there's so many out there. I think Beauty, CAP is a great resource. Goop as well as Credo Beauty are three good um, okay. that might have just, they have a plethora of skincare, body care, makeup. So yeah. Do you have all this stuff kind of listed on your site? I can get it to you. Okay, cool. Um, okay. So I think um, one other thing that I wanted to talk briefly about was sleep because you did mention that. So um, I think that that is a, um, also another underrated topic that people um, should really focus on nourishing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we are in the time where it's not, um, I feel like people used to wear like the less sleep they got, like a badge of honor, just because it, you know, it's like glorifying busy was like glorifying, like not being well slept. And it's just like, I, I don't know who, I don't know. I, I am a different version of myself when I don't get enough sleep, but, um, do you have any like tips for people who might be struggling with sleep that you could provide? Yeah, I have a lot of resources on my website um, as well yeah. as IGTV on my Instagram, but I think it, it's so difficult for me to turn off my phone and I still yeah. get that lights, blue light, um, are it's really stimulating for your brain as well as sort of halting melatonin production. But as best as you can, 
turn off the phone, dim the phone, wear blue light glasses, do whatever you possibly can to sort of reduce that light coming into your eyeballs is mm -hmm. really crucial. Like I said, it is the hardest thing for me. There's no way I could not have my phone in the room when I'm sleeping. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's definitely a part of me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think if you're open to taking melatonin, melatonin can be a really great option. Some CBD products are geared towards sleep, which mm -hmm. I can send you some recommendations if you would like to share. Um, but also I use, I'm trying to think of like specific products. Some people like a sleep and eye mask, which. Yeah, I wear that. Yeah, I have several friends. I used to wear one every night, but I just sort of get in and out of routines. Mm -hmm. um, something I love though, and have used for years and years and years, probably five years, is called an acupressure mat. It's basically Ooh, I've heard of that. a either foam or coconut husk, like fiber mat that has mm -hmm. a cover over it. And on it has these acupressure points that are trying to stimulate acupressure points like acupuncture would. So it's thousands. Mm -hmm thousands of these little, not needles, but sharp little points that I do it on my back and you just lay on it. I do find that it's best on bare skin if you're comfortable either not wearing a shirt or working your way up to it, starting with an mm -hmm. in shirt or a sports bra and then working up to bare skin. Mm -hmm. I swear, if I can't sleep, it's like one or two in the morning and I'm still tossing and turning, trying to get to sleep. I'm like, why haven't I pulled out the acupressure mat? I keep it under my bed. I might even have one under, this is my guest room. Um, and laying on that and i swear within five to ten minutes i am out cold it is really really wild and it's supposed to be it has a whole host of health benefits which anyone could look up but they also call it a sleep induction mat so something about it just causes your body to come into this super relaxed state that i'm obsessed with so oh my gosh that's that awesome my, like go to tools that has always always helped me i mean yale who has zero trouble with sleep can a minute for his alcohol. So. Oh my gosh, that is so good to know. What a fun tool. I will definitely look that up. Um, um, and then other, you know, just I love, like I said, the Calm app, Headspace, various apps that you can easily download. I keep my Bose headphones next to the bed. So if I am doing a meditation or trying to listen to some yoga nidra, then I will have those there. So I'm not yeah. like you. Yeah. Um, those are some great tips. I find that the only thing that's been able to help me is if I like move locations. I don't yep. know if you've ever done that. Exact same. Like if I'm like tossing and turning at like three in the morning, like I just have to go get in my guest bed because yeah, it's like I'm the association not... with it. Yeah. Or yeah. Something. It's strange. Yeah. I've, I've been the same, like since I was a kid, I've dealt with horrible sleep my entire life. It comes from mm -hmm. my family. And I remember being a kid, not really feeling like I should leave my room to go into my parents' guest room, but flipping my head and my feet. So my feet were on my pillow, my head was at the end of my bed. I've done that. Mm -hmm. It would always help, or I would literally sleep on the floor of my mom. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's I think you don't want your body to associate poor sleep with that space. So what that, yeah. that makes sense. I have been really struggling with my sleep the past few months with just the you know, the world being a little bit of a yeah. place right now. So right. I definitely feel for anyone who is struggling to sleep. It yeah. It's a, it's a widespread problem. Um, yeah. But hopefully like as more information and education comes on and, and tips like these that um, people will be able to find solutions. So, um, okay. So my final question for you, and we've kind of, I feel like touched on it. Um, is I ask everyone this because I have a fascination with people's morning routines. <laughs> love them. Um, I love hearing about others. What is your morning routine? My morning routine. So I do really strive to wake up between 7.30 and 8, 7 and 8. Um, today was not the case. <laughs> like and the end of a long weekend. Yeah, uh, exactly. I woke up at 10. I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what happened. It was like, I woke up early and then fell back asleep. You know, I feel like that's what screwed you up. Um, if you wake up at like six o'clock and I'll just close my eyes for five more minutes. Yeah, I am. So great. Um, I know that is not something that most people can do, but given the fact that I work for myself, it's okay. Yes. You have um, the ability. So normally on a optimal morning, I will wake up at seven 30. I am a coffee lover. So either mm, myself too. For Yale, we'll make our morning coffee, but I do really try to have some water, either filling up my mason jar and just drinking that throughout the morning, mm -hmm. or just even if it's like a little bit, just trying to get that in before because it really does make 
a difference um, in terms of just feeling more awake, gets digestion going. So you know all of this, but yeah. So I have that and my coffee and typically we'll check my emails, check in to work stuff and then really start work between nine and 10, um, responding to emails sort of making my list. I'm a big to-do list person. I just thoroughly enjoy being able to like check things off. Oh my God. I love that. Me too. Yeah. And I love the pen and paper thing too. Yes. Like I was someone forever that would like refuse to go digital with like to do's and calendars yeah. and things I now have had to, but, um, you have employees. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than just like I will literally write things down that I've already done. To Me them. too. Just to cross them off. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I thought I was just weird, but now I'm you yeah. know, good company. That's the thing. That's um, awesome. So, and then eat breakfast at some point, which kind of varies either a smoothie or one of your bars or both or eggs. Um <laughs> I'm a big breakfast breakfast person like you, so I do mm-hmm. have a fairly sizable breakfast. Um and then like, I really try and get some sort of walk in earlier in the morning rather than later because it's been so hot, but it does seem to be that three o'clock, four o'clock rolls around. I still can take my walk, which I can feel internally. I'm like, I need yes. to get outside. Yeah. Um, doesn't count the walks that I'm taking with my dog because he pees and stops to pee on everything. So. Like every single little thing. I'm like, what are you doing? Like leaving sticky notes around the neighborhood? Like, come on, sing <laughs> up the pace. crazy. So even our neighbors are like, you just walked with your dog. You take another one. I'm like, it's not the same. It's not yeah. <laughs> walk and I need my walk. Um, but yeah, no, I really try and have my morning walk, but usually it's an afternoon situation. So my morning routine is pretty similar every day, just those various things. But I mean, I try and leave room for anything that might come up. Yeah, some flexibility. Well, I think that that's great. And, you know, studies show that like a routine can really help, you know, set your day off on on the right foot. But yes, you definitely you like bed maker. Oh, um, <laughs> I think Alex actually will make the bed the majority of the mornings just because like I'm the first one out um, normally. And so then he, you know, he's tall. So like all he has to do is just like use his like go, go gadget arms and just like, (laughs) it's like, whereas like I have to like walk around like three times, but I'm a big believer. Like if he hasn't done it, then for sure. I will make sure like before I leave the house, like I got to make the bed. I feel like it just sets your morning off on such a good foot. I don't know. Yes. What, I don't know what it is. I've always been a bed maker. So there's actually this, um, this, uh, veteran or something, I forget what his backstory is, but he like wrote a book that was called like make your bed and other like lessons for happiness or something. And I was like, it's so true. I mean, if I don't make the bed, something. Yeah. Something yeah, up. it's just it's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I lied. So my final question now is because I'm a big walker as well, and I love being outside, and I love your encouragement of getting outside. But lo and behold, we're about to enter the cold months. Do you still get outside when it's like winter and cold, or what do you do about that? So yes, I do. Um, mm-hmm. I we do have a gym not here. Like access to a gym I just Mm -hmm. and who knows with this year like you have to currently wear your mask to be in the gym and that just does not appeal to me right right but when it's either torrentially downpouring or literally 20 degrees which I have been known to walk in my full parka um, because it's just that feels that good to me to be outside I will that's when I implement the indoor exercise options so Mm -hmm. I I do though really try and get outside every single day just because I found it has such such a profound effect on my mental health that yeah. it's almost like the pros outweigh the cons in uh, I'd rather be freezing freezing cold than sit inside because I just kind of go stir crazy and I know it sounds funny it's like to miss one day of walking but even if it's 10-15 minutes just is transformative for me so yeah I was actually listening to the deliciously Ella podcast over the weekend and she had a guest on there who had written a book called like um it was something about global happiness or lessons of happiness from around the world and it was called like the atlas of happiness or something like that and she had moved from London to Denmark and she noticed and Denmark's actually it's like one of um has the highest satisfaction happiness rates in the world 
And the number one thing that she said was that they get outside every single day and that they um, really put a lot of importance on being outside, no matter the temperature. I mean, I'm sure there are times when Denmark is cold, um, which, you know, I'm not going to highlight my lack of geography skills right now and like <laughs> where, where that even is. But yes, so bottom line, everyone, if anyone learns a lesson from this conversation, it's spend more time outside. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up horseback riding, so I think you know, even if I'm riding indoors, it's still cold because you, you got to get the horse from outside or bring him in or you're in a barn nonetheless. Yeah. I am fairly used to seeking happiness in some shape or form outside in nature, regardless of the temperature or weather conditions. So it's never been too big of an issue for me, but I can see or people who live in a city and just don't want to be like, walking around like I get it um so I think finding other ways to reach that level of happiness or satisfaction or whatever you find have like is is so crucial just yeah whatever it is I yeah think. whatever it is find what works for you and do more of it yeah exactly. um okay well this was so fun Allie thank you so thank much you. I love this conversation um before we sign off can you tell everyone who's listening or watching where they can find you so my Instagram is at the health Mason. My maiden name was Mason. So that was the inspiration behind the name. And, Very clever. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm never on Twitter, but Facebook is the same at the health Mason. And then my website is www.health-mason.com. Someone had taken my URL. No, I actually like did that without even thinking about it. Knowing that you had a different one that I just like my fingers like went there I, today. And I was like, this isn't her website. And so, yes, it's been a process. Sure. You get that dash in there. Um, all right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again and look forward to seeing you on the interweb soon. And until then have a good rest of your Tuesday. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at gratified or my account, Sarah McLaughlin. Until next time.